energy. We walked around for 35 minutes just in the parking lot looking for this car. The passion. UVM schedules the way they do to get as high a seed as possible in the NCAA tournament and to get as much tournament prep as they can because they're not going to get it from their league. The opinions on all your favorite teams. The organization should be taking care of Matt rather than Matt taking care of the organization. This is the Brady Parker Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What is up, everybody? Brady Farkas show here on a Thursday and finally a full show on a Thursday. I got to admit, it's nice every once in a while to have an easy day, right? We all appreciate that at our jobs. Once in a while, it's nice to have an easy day. But 10 minutes consecutive days on week one of football is like the worst possible timing for my easy days. I am bursting at the seams with things to talk about here. Red Sox are off today, thankfully, after getting swept by the Rays. Patriots are playing just a couple of days from now. The NFL season starts tonight. We've needed all 90 minutes all week. We've got all 90 minutes tonight. You can watch us on uh, our video stream, which is available on YouTube and at our WDEV Facebook page. Also on my Twitter account, at WDEV Radio Brady. You can get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026, or locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. And uh, this this show is huge. We got Patriots news. We got general NFL news. We got our six-pack of NFL questions for the weekend, our first six-pack of NFL questions for the season. And we've got two huge guests. I don't usually do two guests in a 90-minute show, right? Like, two guests takes up probably 20 minutes of the 90. If I'm going to give away 20 minutes of the show to a guest – they got to be worth it. These guys are. In about 15 minutes, we're going to be joined by Richmond Webb. Richmond Webb, all-pro, former all-pro offensive lineman for the Dolphins, also played for the Bengals, borderline pro football Hall of Famer, all-decade team in the 90s. He gets us ready for Pat's Dolphins. He'll be with us in about 15 minutes. And at 6.30, former UVM hockey standout and former Montreal Canadiens head coach Dom Ducharme. Heck, he took them to the Stanley Cup finals in 2021 stanley cup appearing coaches on the brady farkas show coming up today in about that'll be at about 6 30 and buster only our usual thursday guest i already spoke with buster you will hear part of that interview today on the show but the full interview is already available online on our on our uh, apple podcast page as well as our spotify page so go check that a buster is the best and uh he joined me earlier today. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts in the Brady Farkas show brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. Patriots, Dolphins, Opener, South Beach, Sunday, 1 o'clock. I have a simple question. A simple question for the text line. What do you want to see from the Patriots on Sunday? You can tell me one thing. You can tell me 12 things. Aside from a Patriots win, what is it that you want to see from New England 
in Miami on Sunday. I came up with five things, again, other than a win. Five things I want to see. I'll take your text on it as well. I'll start ripping through my. I am so jazzed up for Patriots football. Number one, I want to see the offensive line hold up. This line is different than it was a year ago. They traded Shaq Mason. They took a hit at the depth of their line. They took a hit at the fabric of their line by getting rid of a starter. There's the always constant health questions around Isaiah Wynn and around Trent Brown. And Isaiah Wynn's on the injury report already for this week. They've got their first-round draft pick, Cole Strange. He's going to see his first real action. The Patriots tell us publicly they're good with the offensive line. They just signed minutes ago former Pat Marcus Cannon, 34 years old, to their practice squad. Teams that feel really good about where they're at don't go signing 34-year-old veterans. They just don't. The Pats clearly have some more questions internally than they are letting on. The offensive line, I want to see how they perform. New starting combinations, continued questions about the Patriots' health on the line. This is, this is a group that needs to be good, and we're not sure that it's going to be. Mac Jones just doesn't have the physical capability to run for his life. Justin Fields can run for his life. Lamar Jackson can run for his life. Mac Jones doesn't have it. If this offensive line is leaky, he's going to get hit, and he's going to get sacked. And neither one of those things are good for the Patriots. This team is not built to play from second and 18 or from third and 12. They're just not. The offensive line needs to be a plus for this team. Last year it was. Last year the Patriots gave Mac time to throw. They gave guys the ability to run. They opened holes. If Wynn and Brown are healthy and if Strange is good, then the line could be a strength. But the report cards from preseason have not been good. Miscommunications, pre-snap penalties, you name it, they did it, and I'm worried about it. The Patriots need to play ahead of the sticks on Sunday. And the offensive line is the number one thing that's going to make that happen or make it not happen. Offensive line play, I'm going to be really keying in on that. If they start taking first down false starts, and it's 1st and 15, it's going to be a really long day. Number two, I just want to see offensively what the Patriots look like. Just simple. Who, Who are they offensively? I feel like when I go into a season, I have a general idea of what a lot of teams are going to do. For the Ravens, like, I know they're going to run the ball. I know Lamar Jackson's going to be a part of it. I know they're going to use the tight end Mark Andrews. Rams and 49ers, they're going to play fast. They're going to play up-tempo. I know that. I know Russell Wilson's going to throw the ball deep. I know that Joe Burrow's going to look to Jamar Chase. I know that the Browns are going to just pound it down your throat with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I know what a lot of offenses are going to do as the season starts. I don't know what the Patriots are going to look like. Last year, they were a battering ram, and that was the right move. This year, with the offensive line questions I just outlined, they at this point don't have the ability to be that team. Do they even want to be that team again? 
Pats are changing their offense. How much up-tempo do they run? Are they going to take deep shots down the field? Are they going to be a team that just gets a ton of bubble screens and gets the ball in guys' hands? I don't know. I just want to see who they are, what their identity is, and what their offense looks like in 2022. Number three thing I want to see from the Patriots. I want to see the newcomers. And it's not just the rookies. It's the true newcomers. I want to see what Devontae Parker looks like. If he can be the go-to target that Mac Jones needs, can he be the guy in the red zone? Can he be the guy who can make the contested catches that we expect him to do, that we expect him to be? Jabril Peppers, can he make a difference athletically on defense? How about Ty Montgomery? Can he be a suitable James White replacement? Is he a third down back? Is he a guy who's going to line up in funky formations? I don't know, but I want to see the newcomers. Okay, Pats have some intriguing newcomers. Montgomery, Peppers, Parker. There are guys here that are interesting. Sean Wade, who's not a newcomer. He was on the team last year, but didn't play a lot. How much can these guys contribute? Can they be the contributors that we want and expect them to be? Number four. Number four. I got to see how they look athletically on defense. Defensive speed. Do they have it? I could have put that right near the top. Along with the offensive line, defensive speed. Do they have it? is about the biggest question the Patriots have, right? Like, they, they they were old last year. They were slow last year on defense. They got run off the field twice by Buffalo. They got embarrassed by the Colts late in the season on that Saturday. They got throttled by Buffalo in the playoffs. They needed to get faster. They needed to get more athletic. They need to be able to cover sideline to sideline. They tried to address that this offseason. We'll get our first glimpses of this on Sunday if they succeeded. Raekwon McMillan, a guy who comes back from injury, what does he look like? Anthony Jennings, Josh Uche, an entirely new linebacking court. Mac Wilson is in there. Peppers, Wade, John Jones moving outside. He's athletic and fast. Marcus Jones, the draft pick. They needed to increase their team speed. They, they've done it on paper. They've assembled a better track team. Like football-wise, can they be fast enough? Because this Dolphins team is not playing around. We don't know how good Tua is. That remains their question. But Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson, we know they're fast. Chase Edmonds, couple of good backs. The Dolphins, they can win any track meet. Can you keep up with them? We've got to see. Defensively, what does their speed look like? And finally... Are the Patriots going to be the clean and disciplined team that we historically remember? Last year, they were penalized more than I remember. Like, I have this perception that the Patriots are always near the bottom of the league in penalties taken. Last year, they were outside the top 10. I'm sorry, outside the bottom 10. So they were like between 10 and 20 in terms of the number of penalties taken. They just didn't seem as buttoned up. People were telling us, I remember Bob Sosi, last time we spoke to him last year, said the Patriots were not as well coached this year. The Pats don't have overwhelming talent. They're good. They have good players. They do not have overwhelming talent. 
when you don't have overwhelming talent, you cannot afford to beat yourself. It's why the line has to be good, and it's why you can't afford to be buttoned up or to not be buttoned up. You can't miss coverages. You can't miss blocking assignments. You can't take penalties at the start of drives. You can't, you know, have third and goal at the two and then get a holding penalty and it's third and goal at the 12 and it's from a touchdown to a field goal opportunity. You can't do that. The Patriots are not good enough to overcome that. They're just not. Most teams are not. The Pats certainly are not. Will they be disciplined? In the past, they've been elite at it. Last year, they weren't. And we'll see how it manifests itself on Sunday. 802-585-3026. Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury. Text line, Joe says you heard it here first. Chargers over the Bucks in the Super Bowl. Chargers are a trendy pick. I've seen that a couple of different places today. Peter and Williston. I want to see if Patricia and Judge can provide Mac Jones with a real game plan after what we've heard and seen from training camp through preseason. P.S. I had forgotten that the great Richmond Webb uh, Webb played a season in Cincy. He was great and sure to be a great guest, too. Good one, Brady. I'm very excited to talk to Richmond Webb here in just a couple of moments. But, yeah, we're all going to be paying attention to how the offensive play calling system works out. I anticipate the game to be close. Right, whether the Patriots win it 23 to 20 or whether they lose it 23 to 20, I anticipate it to be close. No one's blowing anybody out in this one on Sunday. So I'll be curious what happens when the game is close late. Because Matt Patricia might call the plays, you know, for the first 52 minutes of the game. The last eight, does Bill Belichick take over? Be very curious how this all shakes out. Ross says, win or lose, I'd love to see a solid performance for the Patriots like there is hope for the season. Well, yeah. I mean, we obviously want, like, nobody wants to see their team get beat 41 to nothing on opening day. I don't believe that that's going to happen, right? Like, I don't, I do not believe that's going to happen. That just usually doesn't happen in week one. The week one games are generally a lot closer than that. I think the Patriots themselves need a good performance that they can feel good about. Whether win or lose, they need something they can feel proud of because they have really struggled. Obviously, it's well documented in training camp in the preseason. I think there's probably a thought in that building like, hey, when the starters are playing 60 minutes and it's a real game plan, everything's going to kind of be fine. If they come out and play well but lose 21 to 20, I think they will be okay. The players themselves, if they come out and lose 38 to 10, you're, they're going to be questioning themselves. So the players need to see what they are practicing transfer well into a game situation, maybe more than we do. In fact, I think definitely more than we do, because if the Pats get beat 38 to 10, I, I can probably move on. OK, they're the ones that are going to be in the locker room questioning themselves. I think this game will be close. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Well, Pats are going to South Beach, so why don't we go to South Beach? A guy who played for the Dolphins the entirety of the 90s, an all-decade player in the 1990s. Richmond Webb, one of the best offensive linemen in NFL history, 
He's going to join us next on the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM. I'm Brady to hear your opinion on the sports stories of the day. Text in at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Patriots taking on the Miami Dolphins coming up on Sunday. That is week one, and I'm so pumped that the NFL is back. Let's go on to the phone line now and bring on a guy who, well, he knows the Dolphins well as well as anybody. He played for them for over a decade. Richmond Webb is with us now on the phone line. Richmond Webb. A, a great player, all-decade player in the 90s, a seven-time Pro Bowler, a two-time first-team All-Pro at offensive line, and now he's got a Dolphins podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Richmond Webb is with us. Richmond, let's start here. Pat's Dolphins, it's a different team in Miami. They beat the Pats twice last year, but now they got Tyreek Hill, new head coach Mike McDaniel. It seems like a pretty good situation in Miami. What's the vibe down there? I, I think you just summed it up right there. You know, with all the additions we've made, you know, the new head coach, um, I think we've even sold out all the season tickets. So it's at an all-time high. The additions we made with the with the roster this year, like you said, add Tyreek Hill, Tron Armstead, Connor Williams, along with guys like Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, we drafted the year before. Definitely excited. Fan base is, is ready to go, so we're, we're expecting good things this year. What do you think offensively we'll see from the Dolphins on Sunday? Is this a team that's going to use that speed to just go four verticals down the field? Is it going to be a lot of tunnel and bubble screens just to get guys in space? What do you think we're going to see? Well, I like Coach Mike McDaniel. Probably some of the similar things you probably saw when he was at the uh, 49ers. I don't think he's going to be a one-dimensional guy, like you said, just you know, throw the ball deep all the time, even though we got the speed. But I think uh, he will look to set up opportunities where you can take advantage of that speed. But I definitely think he wants to get the running game going. you got to look at some of the stuff that he did with Debo Samuels when he was at the 49ers, um, you know, the tight end position, this and that. He has a really good offensive mind, and, and he does a great job of setting up things. So... We already know what the Patriots are. Coach Belichick, he's going to come in, and he, he's always done an excellent job of trying to take away things that you do extremely well. So I know he's done his film study, so I'm, I'm expecting a tough game on Sunday. You were a phenomenal offensive lineman, all-90s, all-decade team. Is it harder to play offensive line in this era with the running quarterbacks and some of the differentiations in offense, or was it in your era? I don't know if it was easier. I think the game, the thing that definitely has changed is, um, you know, they're more concerned about player safety. I think the quarterback is more protected now. You know, you can't go with the low hits and stuff like that. But uh, majority of my career, I, I blocked for Dan Marino, and he was more of a pocket passer due to, you know, some low extremity injuries he had, you know, with his knee and Achilles and stuff like that. So, uh, I think it just depends on the type of quarterback, the scheme that you're going to run, and who you're facing as far as who's rushing the pass against you. I think all that all that plays a factor in, in what makes it easier or harder. What is the impact of the heat in these early season matchups? Yeah, I think it's the heat, and I also think it's the humidity. Um, that can make it sometimes feel like it's over 100 degrees. So when you're not used to that, 
you normally sweat more profusely this night. You can be more concerned about guys cramping up, this and that. So a lot of times, you know, the first half is pretty good, but the second half, sometimes guys have issues with that. So you always got to be, be aware and conscious of things like that. We're talking with Richmond Webb here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEV Radio.com. Played for the Dolphins and the Bengals, two-time first-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, first-round draft pick, now the host of the Believe in Dolphins podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Let me ask you a question from a Patriots perspective, because our biggest storyline all year has been the restructuring of the Patriots offense and the restructuring of the Patriots coaching staff. And the offensive line hasn't seemed to respond real well to whatever's going on behind the scenes there. How hard is it for an offensive lineman when you have a different scheme, a different system, a different play caller? I think it depends on if you've got the same five guys there. Uh, what's critical for offensive linemen is communication and everybody having an understanding of the blocker scheme and how we're going to approach it. This and that. It's always a little challenge um, learning a new offensive scheme or whatever, but typically it's only so many ways you can block or run a play, whatever. The terminology sometimes changes. The technique might change just a tad bit, but it's X's and O's. So I, I think the thing that, that plays properly with the adjustment makes it a little harder is now. Well, when I played, you know, we did two a day, so you got twice as many reps because you want two days during training camp and stuff like that. Now we're now I think the guys go one a day, and then you have limited pad practices where it's harder to assimilate real time conditions because everybody works in you know shorts and helmets and stuff like this. So I think that could play a factor, but I'm sure they'll get that worked out. You know, I was watching the, the U.S. Open tennis tournament recently, and I saw Serena Williams and Rafael Nadal both lose. Both great players, both all-time greats, both arguably the greatest of all time. And the broadcaster said something interesting, like, these younger players now, they respect their greatness, but they're not scared of them. They actually think they can win these matchups. I'm curious, do you think the Patriots have any mystique left, or did that go away with Tom Brady's departure? For me, the way I look at it is I think you still got to respect them. I think uh, one thing about the Patriots, regardless of who they're normally it's going to be some type of consistency. I think the consistency is Coach Belichick. I think he has put in a system, an implemented system that you got to buy in if you're going to be there. And he typically takes players and find out what they do really well and put them in situations to win. And that might be the only thing you do. But whatever you do extremely well, he, he finds out what that is and put guys in that. And I think that's a great thing as a head coach is to find out not to adjust the player to the system, but figure out what he does and figure out how he can help the system be more effective. And he's done that since he's been the head coach up there. And that's why it's always tough playing those guys. It's normally a game that comes down uh, to a field goal or something like that. And, and uh, so – the Patriots will be prepared. Uh, they'll go in, you know, underestimating that Tom Brady's not there anymore. You know, that's a good thing because, you know, Tom is racing. But you got to be prepared to play the Patriots. So uh, that's just their mentality. 
We're talking with Richmond Webb, former Dolphins and Bengals offensive lineman here on the Brady Farkas Show, seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro in the Believe in Dolphins podcast co-host right now. Let's get to a more fun question. I'll tell you a quick story. You helped ruin my childhood. I'm uh, disappointed in that, and the reason why is I grew up in Seattle. I can't remember at this point. It was 98. I think it was 99, though. It was the first time I ever saw the Seahawks make the playoffs at home at the Kingdom. Dolphins came in, beat them, and the Seahawks had no success for like another decade after that. So you, that, that was my one chance at happiness as a kid and you helped ruin it. You know, Brady, one thing I remember about coming to the kingdom and one thing I can say is I'm glad they tore that statement down <laughs> because it had like a, I want to say it was like maybe a concrete dome or whatever on it. And man, when they would get, I, I've been in domes that get loud, but it was, Man, it was deafening and this and that, and uh, that was a tough, hard fall game. We, we traveled out there. We did beat the beat the, the Seahawks, but then we went to Jacksonville the next week and just got murdered. So it was bad for you, and <laughs> it was real bad for me. So I, I feel you pain on that, brother. Hey, who is you? You played in an era of, I mean, Lawrence Taylor. You played with uh, Bruce Smith, Reggie White. Who, were the, who was the toughest guy to line up alongside you? Yeah, it, it would be Bruce Smith. Uh, you know, he was in the division, and having to play him uh, two, sometimes three times a year, you know, if we made the playoffs or whatever. And early in the 90s, you know, Buffalo went to those four Super Bowls in a row. And uh, I think we played him two or three times out of those three or four years. And that was the toughest guy that I had to face year in, year out. And, uh, you know, he did everything well he didn't really have a weakness and so you knew you had to buckle up and you was going to be in tough for a tough game uh for 60 minutes hopefully not overtime but if it was he was going to come so that that was my toughest matchup the drum beat has grown louder for you to be a pro football hall of famer here and uh like 183 consecutive starts i think it is for you the case certainly can be made is that something you ever think about I thought about it, you know, and I always tell people, Brady, you know, the, the thing with me is, um, you know, if you look at my resume, I, I think it, I have the numbers. I, I've had accolades to be uh, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I know they only put in six or seven guys at a time, so sometimes you get caught up in that. But um, I just, the good thing is my name keeps coming up. I think eventually I'll get in there, but um, I don't let it like drive me crazy or anything like that. I'm just uh, enjoying football, enjoying being a fan now instead of a player. And, and every now and then I get to talk to, to, to guys like you with <laughs> podcasts and stuff like that. So I'm living my best life and I'm having a good time. But I think eventually will happen. So I'm, I'm not concerned about it. I misread my note, 118 consecutive starts, 167 total starts. Incredibly impressive. Richmond Webb, Believe in Dolphins. Check it out. All your news there, getting ready for week one. Of course, you follow us. Follow Believe in Dolphins podcast as well from their perspective. We're rooting for the Pats. Richmond, good luck to the Dolphins the rest of the year. And uh, we'll do it again later in the season when uh, 
your team comes up north. Hey, sounds good, Brady. You have a good one. Good luck. All right. Thank you very much. While I went over the time, we'll be right back here to recap what Richmond had to say. This is Freddie Coleman of ESPN, and you're listening to Brady Farkas Show right here at WDEV and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here in WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Wasn't looking at the clock there when I finished up with Richmond Webb. That was a great interview. I mean, look, anytime we can get former NFL All-Pros on the show, guys who might be Hall of Famers, I'm thrilled with it. The content that Richmond provided was also great. By the way, 118 consecutive starts at the offensive line position, that's more than 10 consecutive years. 16 games a season? That's Or no, that's not 10 consecutive years. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, I don't know, eight consecutive years, something like that. I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of time at that position. For the beating that you take as an offensive lineman, to make 118 consecutive starts is absurd. To start 183 games in your career, also absurd. I mean, really, he is a borderline Hall of Famer, and he said he thinks he will get in. And I mean, can you imagine, like, talking about blocking behind Dan Marino and blocking against Bruce Smith? Um, unbelievable stuff there. And you know how good the Dolphins were in the 90s with Marino. And Richmond Webb anchored that offensive line for a decade. Never won a Super Bowl, but he was damn, damn good. And on the Patriots, one of the things I mentioned that I want to see is their offensive line play. And he said, look, it's it's it shouldn't be hard to pick up a new system. It shouldn't be. But there is a challenge this year or, or in this era of football in offensive line play because you just don't get the repetitions that you used to. And I'm not, cl- I'm not saying I'm clamoring for back in my day and two-a-days in the heat or whatever, but Richard Webb saying, like, there is something to that. Guys just don't practice as much now as they used to at the offensive line position and football in general, so things do take more time. And I'm not really willing to give the patrons an excuse, but it is a good rationale there from a guy who has done it, saying, look, the repetitions matter, and guys just don't get them. We got Dom Ducharme, former Montreal Canadiens head coach here in about 6.30. We got our six-pack of NFL questions we're going to get to momentarily, but let me deviate from football for a second because I haven't, I feel like I haven't spoken to you guys in forever, right? I had a, a, what, a 40 minute show on Monday. Is that right? 40 minute show on Monday. Uh, let's see. Yeah, no, I had, I had no show on Monday. Monday was the holiday. So Monday we had no show. Tuesday we had a 10 minute show. Wednesday we had a 10 minute show. I feel like I haven't talked to you forever. So let me tell you a little bit about what's going on with me. What? I just started a new workout program, and I'm trying to be really diligent with it. There has to be no worst feeling, no worse feeling than that feeling you have in your legs when you either just start or restart a workout program. The tightness in my legs is immeasurable. It's hard to sit. It's hard to get up. Bending over to wipe off my dog's paws is an issue. Trying to pick up something I dropped was an issue. It is insane. The back of my hamstrings, the inside of my thighs, I do not even want to move. I've always been active, always exercised, always played baseball or golf or basketball. But those are all different than truly working out. And that's what I'm trying to make a commitment to right now. 25 minutes a day. 
for, for a month. That's where I'm starting here in this program. 25 minutes a day for a month. And the first day was like a lot of squats and lunges. And it's all body weight stuff. My legs were just fried. Like I had to stop on day one at a point just to shake my legs out and couldn't couldn't even finish that portion of the workout. Just ridiculous. So I there's a reason why I don't enjoy straight working out. There's a reason why I just like playing sports. And this is the reason. Like this is the reason. My legs feel like jello and have for three days. Two, I got some exciting news. And some of you are really gonna like this. So follow the story to completion. So I played in the summer basketball league, right? You know this. I talked about it a little bit, but not a lot. Some games I had were really good. Some games I had were really bad. I had a game where I scored 12 and couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. I had a game where I scored 46 and couldn't miss. So I was playing men's league basketball in the uh, kind of the Essex Hoops League. Well, I've signed up again for the fall version of the league, and the league starts next week. And we just got our rosters. You know who's on my team? Mike Trimboli. That's right. UVM Hall of Famer. 2,000 points. 2,000 assists. Was on this show a couple of months ago when he got into the Hall of Fame. Mike Trimboli is on my men's league basketball team. I have decided that I absolutely love this. This is exactly what I want when I play basketball. I don't want to handle the ball. I don't want to create offense. I don't want to drive and get hit. All I want to do is stand outside, float around, Danilo Gallinari it, and shoot jump shots. And there is no better way to accomplish just that goal than to have Mike Trimboli on your team. 2,000 career points, 2,000 career assists. He'll draw double and triple teams, and he's got the wherewithal to be able to pass out of those, and I will get open shot after open shot. Now, it's my job to hit those shots. If I don't hit them, he won't pass to me anymore. But I'm going to get to play the kind of basketball that I love. I don't have to handle the rock. I don't have to create offense. I don't have to get hammered going to the lane. Mike can do all the work, and I get to reap the benefits. Danilo Gallinari, baby, that's who I want to be. Shoot the three ball. Let him do all the work. And I've talked with people about this, right? I've talked with people about this. I talked with Tom Brennan about this. I talked with Freddie Coleman about this. And they all pretty much said the exact same thing to me. Like, let Mike do all the work and you just get out of his own way. Like, here was Freddie talking to me about what I should be doing in this league. Absolutely, because why would you not do that when you got a guy on your basketball team that even though he doesn't have the skill that we had in college, it's going to be better than anybody else in that league. There's no, re- there's no reason to try to prove that you can play with him. No, you're playing alongside of him, not with him. And those things are very, very different. So if he's able to do that and you start making shots, then you create attention. They leave him one-on-one. Then he destroys people. So, yeah, that's the perfect strategy to go out there and say, yeah, I got a guy like this on my team. Why am I trying to get in his way? I'm going to compliment him, not have him worrying about trying to figure out getting me the best. That's what I want. He does the work. I stand in the corner. I float around, get open shots, hopefully make them. And some of you who have been following me for years before WDEV, some of you are really going to love what else I'm about to tell you. In addition to Mike Trimboli, do you know who else is on my team? 
my old radio partner, Arnie Spanier. So me, Arnie, and Mike Tromboli are all on the same team. And those of you who listened before I got to DEV know that Arnie and I did a show together for four years. We played basketball together at most Wednesday nights when we had a chance to at that, that the uh, Williston Central School. Arnie always talked about how good he was, and we talk about if we played good or bad, and Arnie always ran his mouth and was picking fights. Arnie's a great time to play basketball with. Arnie's on my team. Some of our games are at like 9 o'clock. I don't know how Arnie is going to be awake at 9 o'clock to play, but that is besides the point. Arnie's going to come out. He's going to hit a couple of threes. He's going to help us. You watch. Tromboli's going to get Arnie's shots, too, and he's going to hit them because he can hit a wide-open three, and he'll talk some trash about it, too. It's going to be a blast. Arnie and I reunited on the basketball court. Not reunited on the radio, but reunited on the basketball court. Here's, here's my goal. Tromboli can go for 40. I can go for 18 a game, and Arnie can hit two or three threes. Boom. I don't even know the rest of the guys on our team, but I'm pumped. We got the best player in the league, and I get to hang out with Arnie again. That sounds like a really good. Uh, that is a really good, uh, really good time for me. Ralph says all you need is Arnie. Yeah, I got Arnie. So uh, Nether Tech says that's awesome. Trimboli with Trimboli, you're going to be a stretch four. And uh, someone else says it is going to be hilarious if a guy named Arnie is in your league. Yeah, not just in my league, on my team. So me and Arnie reunited. I, I might have to bring Arnie on the show after game one to talk about how we how we both played because it's going to be it's going to be a blast. I love I love talking to Arnie. We have talked more recently lately. We had him on the show. We did the special UVM show at the America East Championship game. So he and I have talked a lot more since then. And uh, we're excited to play hoops together. It's going to be a blast. Okay. I digress. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. We can get some other texts in here on me playing with Arnie on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Water Brief. Text line. Someone says your other old partner, Rich, should call the play-by-play. I don't know. Nine o'clock is definitely too late for Rich. It's definitely too late for Rich to be awake. That's for sure. Uh, opening night of football is tonight. Bills at the Rams. Rams are going to drop the Super Bowl banner, and we're officially off now to 2022. Here's the deal. Every Friday in the 6 o'clock hour, we do we are going to do, as we did last year, our six-pack of NFL questions. But because today is a full show and tomorrow is not, we have moved our six-pack of NFL questions to Thursday. Okay? We've moved it to Thursday for this week. And if the Red Sox get in our way and we can do it Thursday and other weeks, we'll do the same thing. But our six pack of NFL questions getting you ready for week one. There's only one way to start it out. There we go. So we got the music. Now we welcome back the big voice guy. The best game of the NFL weekend is best game of the NFL weekend. And by the way, you can text Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line 802-585-3026. The game that I think will be the best. When we come in on Monday, we'll all be talking about this game. For me, I think it's going to be Packers at Vikings. I am very excited to see how this game plays out. 
Aaron Rodgers in year three with Matt LaFleur. A lot of people think that the Packers are going to the Super Bowl this year. I saw them listed as a popular Super Bowl pick just moments ago on the TV here in our studio. But how do they do without Devontae Adams? Devontae Adams traded to the Vegas Raiders. So Aaron Rodgers loses his main running mate there on offense. How do they look? How do they look defensively, which is always the question with the Packers? And then for the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell. He comes in, his first game with the helm as the head coach. I'm curious how good Kirk Cousins can be in his system because Kevin O'Connell comes from the Rams coaching tree. And when guys go, you know, Rams coaches, they make the best out of quarterbacks. I'm curious what Kirk Cousins will look like this year. Okay. Sean McVay's done wonders for Jared Goff and Matt Stafford. Zach Taylor's helped Joe Burrow. Kevin O'Connell's getting a veteran in Kirk Cousins. I, I, I think this is going to be a very good game. The Vikings are a trendy pick to actually win the NFC North. The Packers are a trendy pick to actually win the Super Bowl. I think we're going to see a good, hard-nosed divisional matchup in week one. It's going to be exciting. Rodgers can still sling it even without Adams. Cousins, I think, is going to be better than he's been in years past under Kevin O'Connell. I can see this game coming down to the wire. So when we come in on Monday, I think that will have been the best game. The game that intrigues us most is... The game that intrigues me most in week one, Raiders at Chargers. There's no East Coast bias with me. There's a lot of intriguing games this week. Don't get me wrong. The game tonight is incredibly intriguing. Someone just said in the text line, I think it's a Super Bowl preview. It very well might be. But the most intriguing game, Raiders, Chargers. Everything that happens in the AFC West is going to be intriguing this year. This may be the deepest division in football history. You've seen, and I don't mean that in hyperbole. It very well might be the best division in football history. We've seen in baseball what the great AL East can do to a playoff race and how four teams potentially could make the playoffs in the AL for the uh, American League East. The AFC West has those same type of possibilities. The Chargers are a trendy Super Bowl pick this year. They've got Justin Herbert, who is an absolute stud. They've added J.C. Jackson on defense. Now, he won't play in week one. They've also got Khalil Mack there. I mean, they have all the elements of a team that can win the Super Bowl. They've got the always intriguing Brandon Staley, who goes forward on fourth down all the time. The Raiders, they bring in a lot of expectations. Kind of little remembered, they made the playoffs a year ago, right? Now, they got beat by the Bengals in, in round one there, but they made the playoffs. So it's a team that coming off a of playoff berth, new head coach and Josh McDaniels, they add Devontae Adams. This is a this is a great matchup here in week one. A lot of speed. Adams' first game in Vegas. McDaniel's first game with the Chargers. First game for Khalil Mack as a uh, as a char- or, uh, McDaniel's first game for the Raiders. Mack's first game for the Chargers. I'm here for this game out on the West Coast. Again, no East Coast bias with me. The Bar Rescue Game of the Week is... I'm changing the name of this game next week. The Bar Rescue Game of the Week. I'm actually going to call it the Afternoon Nap Game of the Week. The game on the schedule that I have no interest in, right? And we've all got it. There's one game out there that some of us just won't watch. For me, Ravens at the Jets. Zero interest. New Year, 
same Jets. Zach Wilson's intriguing. He's hurt out the first four weeks. Jets, uh, Makai Becton out for the year on the offensive line. They go sign Dwayne Brown. He's facing shoulder surgery potentially also. I mean, with Wilson, the Jets are interesting. Without him, I've seen enough of Joe Flacco for a lifetime. I know it's the Joe Flacco Ravens revenge game. I know Lamar playing without a contract has some intrigue. I don't think the Jets are going to be in this game. The Jets are going to be better in 2022, but I don't believe they're in this game. Not a lot of interest for me. I thought about putting Eagles and Lions in this game, but I'm kind of interested in the Lions this year. I'm never going to be interested in Joe Flacco. The player we want to watch most this week is... Player we want to watch most this week, there's only one answer for me, and that's Baker Mayfield, Panthers quarterback. The NFL just knows how to do this scheduling thing. Even when they don't intend to, the schedule works out well for them. Russell Wilson back to Seattle in week one, Mayfield versus the Browns in week one. Mayfield, new home. We know about the tumult with the Browns. He wanted to stay. They get Deshaun Watson. He wanted out. They couldn't trade him for a while. Where was he going to go? He lands in Carolina. Now, Mayfield was not always perfect in Cleveland, right? He said some wrong things. He made some missteps. Did not always a great demeanor and mature at times. I admit all that. But he should be far more appreciated by the Browns and their fans than he was treated. Number one pick in the draft. He actually wanted to go to Cleveland after they were win after they were one in fifteen rather than or after winless one in fifteen after a one in thirty one two year stretch Baker Mayfield wanted to go there. He got the Browns to the playoffs. He won a playoff game on the road at their longtime division rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He played hurt. Baker Mayfield, I think, does deserve some respect. He wasn't really shown it by the Browns brass. Now the Panthers, I don't think very highly of either. We're not sure if Matt Rule can coach. Sam Darnold couldn't win there last year. Neither could P.J. Walker. Neither could Cam Newton. Neither could Teddy Bridgewater before that. Christian McCaffrey, we're not sure if he can stay healthy. He's already on the injury report for this week. I don't know that Baker Mayfield is going to be good long-term in Carolina, but I'm really just interested in week one. Revenge game. Week one, a lot of energy going against his former teammates. Been a little bit of a war of words here about, you know, Baker supposedly what he said, how he's going to, you know, F them up or whatever. Baker Mayfield, that's the player that I want to watch. The player with the most pressure this week is? Player with the most pressure? Easy. Trey Lance. Bears are taking on the 49ers, so Lance is going to Chicago for his first NFL start. Trey Lance has pressure for a few different reasons. One, 49ers moved up in the draft and gave up a fortune to get him at the quarterback position at number three. They passed up on Mac Jones. They passed up on Justin Fields. They need He needs to prove that the 49ers' investment was justified, that the 49ers' investment was worthwhile. You've seen how when you move up on a quarterback and miss, how it can set an organization back. We saw that with the commanders, Washington, with uh, Robert Griffin III. If you're going to do what they did to get a QB, you better hit. Trey Lance has to prove that investment. He has to start returning on that investment. Two, he's going up against Justin Fields. They could have had Fields instead of Lance 
last year. You're going head-to-head with a guy you're going to be compared with forever. For better or worse, that quarterback class of 2021 will be held together forever. Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, they will be linked forever. You cannot fall behind those guys. So when you go up head-to-head against one of them, it does mean something different. Trey Lance, if he comes out and is significantly worse than Justin Fields, there's going to be questions. Three, this team moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo to give Trey Lance the keys. Jimmy Garoppolo went to the NFC title game a year ago. You have to prove that decision right also. So you have to now prove that they were right to draft you in the first place. Prove that they were right to give up all that they gave up to draft you and you have to prove that they made the right decision in jettisoning a guy that got them to a Super Bowl and to an NFC title game though that's that's a lot of pressure there and oh by the way Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the roster what an awkward situation but it is reality if Trey Lance plays poorly even in week one the whispers and the questions will come fast and furious, and those whispers will become loudly. If you want to fend those off, you better play well. Trey Lance, hands down, most pre- – and by the way, the Bears are thought to be among the worst teams in the NFL this year. People don't think high of the Bears. People don't think high of Seattle. People are really, you know, some people are high on Jacksonville, but a lot of people aren't. So the Bears are a bottom feeder, supposedly. If Trey Lance comes out and loses to this team, the Jimmy Garoppolo banter and conversation, the drumbeat, it will absolutely get louder. The most amazing NFL stat of the weekend is... Another one that's easy. The most amazing NFL stat of the weekend, the Cleveland Browns have a 17-year winless streak in week one. 17 years the Browns have been winless. 17 years in a row winless on week one. 16 losses and one tie a few years ago against Pittsburgh. They're taking on Carolina. They're in Carolina. It is a winnable game given that the Panthers, I don't think, are a very good roster. But you're playing a motivated Baker Mayfield, and you are playing with Jacoby Brissett, a guy who is probably not quite as good as Baker Mayfield. So 17 years and counting, you have been winless on opening day. That is our six-pack of NFL questions. We will do that every single week of the NFL season. All 18 weeks of the regular season, our six-pack of NFL questions. We'll do it traditionally on Fridays. This week, it worked out better to do it on Thursday. Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line 802-585-3026. One texter says, Bengals are hosting the Steelers. I think that's the best game this week. Someone else says, Baker against Cleveland is going to be fun. And yeah, as someone else agrees, Chargers, Raiders, great point. Totally agree. The AFC West is like the AL East in baseball. I, I just, I'm pumped That is football season. I love baseball is my favorite sport. An opening day of baseball, to me, there is nothing like it. But to have football back, there is just a a comfort in the air. We'll have it tonight. Game one, Bills at the Rams. And by the way, if you're a Patriots fan, 
We're rooting for the Rams. Any loss the Bills can get is good for the Patriots. It's too early. Like, there's a point in baseball where it's too early to be scoreboard watching. It's never too early to scoreboard watch in football. Bills, we need them to lose. Because Freddie Coleman yesterday told me he thought the Bills might win 13 or 14 games. The Patriots aren't going to come close to that. The Bills are going to have to underachieve for the Patriots to have a chance in the division. Losing on the road at the Rams, this is a game that is losable for them, and we need them to lose. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Dom Ducharme, former UVM hockey star of the 90s, former Montreal Canadiens head coach, took the team to the Stanley Cup Finals. He's going to be back at UVM this weekend. Why? And did he get a raw deal with the Habs when he was let go last season? We break from football for Dom Ducharme. He's next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. This is Field Yates of ESPN, and you're listening to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV Radio and the WDEV app. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. No Red Sox baseball today. Sox swept away by the Tampa Bay Rays, and Sox will open up a series for the weekend with the Baltimore Orioles. We will have it for you, obviously, all weekend long. By the way, tomorrow we're going to do our Fairness to Fans machine as part of the midday news service. So I think that's, I think that's our final one for the year. So I'll be tuning in there about 1215 for the fairness to fans machine to fire to try to win Red Sox tickets. Even if the team stinks, still always fun to go to a ball game and fun to be at Fenway. I want to deviate now from our NFL talk and uh, I want to talk a little hockey here because really, really fun concept this weekend. This weekend at UVM is what they're calling the Vermont Hockey Summit. It is a free coaching clinic. So if you are a youth hockey coach that wants to get better, male or female, the Vermont Hockey Summit is for you. It starts, I believe, at 8 in the morning at UVM, and it runs until just after 5. You can get a chance to see the UVM hockey team practice, get a chance to see you know, new drills, new skill development things. There's panel discussions, a huge cast of great speakers. One of those speakers is Dom Ducharme. Dom Ducharme, a former UVM men's hockey standout from the 90s. He also was recently the Montreal Canadiens head coach. He took the Habs to the Stanley Cup Finals in the 2021 season. He's going to be back in Burlington this weekend. He's with us on the phone line now. Dom Ducharme, thanks for being with us in the Ready Farkas Show. How are you? I'm good yourself. Excellent as well. Excited that you're coming back to town uh, this week. And how often do you get back to Vermont? When's the last time you were here? Uh, I was uh, I was in Vermont. I was at UVM uh, uh, this winter. I, uh, end of January, I uh, came down for a few days. Uh, always good to be back and uh, especially stopping at the at Garrison Fieldhouse. It's always a nice place to be. Well, you're going to be back in town this weekend for the Vermont Hockey Summit. Why did you want to be involved, and why were you inclined to give back to the Vermont hockey community? Well, uh, when Todd asked me, uh, it was a no-brainer for me. Like I said, going back to uh, to UVM and, and Vermont is always uh, something that I'm looking forward to. And, uh, uh, you know, giving back to, uh, to the kids uh, and everything that... Uh, you know, I, I get a lot of the demand, 
here uh, in Montreal or around. Uh, when it's about kids uh, and helping kids in sports or others, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure for me to par- participate. Well, you're looking forward to coming back this weekend, looking forward to giving back. We're pumped to have you again. The Vermont Hockey Summit is this Saturday at UVM. It is free, totally free. So if you are a youth coach, you definitely should check it out. Uh, You know, we're excited about the UVM men's hockey season here coming up, you know, a little over a month from now. And here we are, year three of Todd Woodcroft's tenure from afar. What do you think of the job he's doing to rebuild the program? He's doing a great job. Uh, I think recruiting has a lot to do with it, and uh, you, you can see that he's uh, looking everywhere uh, in, in the world to find uh, a good players uh, to come to Vermont. And, uh, you know, I think uh, it's important for a, a program like UVM uh, being up north. It's good to be uh, active with, uh, um, you know, uh, Canadians, but also uh, Europeans. And also uh, trying to get as many good uh, U.S. players as possible. Let's talk a little bit about your UVM days. You were here in the early to mid-90s as the program was really ballooning into a powerhouse in the ECAC. You played with Martin St. Louis and Tim Thomas. What was that era of Catamount hockey like for you? And what are some of your best memories? Oh, I mean, yeah, we had some uh, really solid years. Um, You know, we were really hard to play against. And when we played home, uh, the building was packed, uh, good energy. Uh, it was tough for the opposing team to, to come and, and beat us in, uh, in Vermont. So, uh, you know, those home games and those, those tight games, um, you know, always uh, it seemed that the, the crowd always gave us uh, an edge on the other team. And, and then uh, for, for me, um, you know, it was a, such a pleasure to be uh, stepping onto the ice uh, every game in Vermont and having that support. You know, you've seen rinks all over the world. You've coached at the highest level of hockey. You've coached high-level ju- high juniors. You've coached college hockey. So you've got a unique perspective on this. Where does the experience of playing at Gutterson and seeing a full and loud Gutterson, where does that rank for you? Pretty tough to beat. Obviously, uh, you know, Bell Center uh, uh, fans are, are, are really loud, and it's a it's a building that is fun to play in uh, when you're on team. And and you know, there's a few places in the NHL, but you know, there's a special feel to uh, Gutterson for sure. Um, like I said, uh, you know, the crowd is really uh, uh, bringing a lot of energy to our team and. Uh, uh, it, it, for me, right the, amongst the best in the uh, college world, for sure. You know, between February of 21 and February of 22, you had an insane year. You get the Canadians job. You go to the Stanley Cup finals. You've got the pressure of trying to break the Canadian Cup drought. All the COVID protocols that you had to deal with, especially in Canada. You tested positive yourself in the NHL playoffs, then ultimately lose the job last season. What was that one calendar year like for you? I can't even imagine. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, I think it was a, a special time. I mean, uh, you know, there's no... Uh, there's, there's, it's nothing we've seen before, so it's kind of uh, uh, it was challenging for sure. Every day was a, uh, something different with COVID, uh, a lot of injuries. We had a really, really short summer, so guys had a hard time preparing, getting ready for the season. I think it uh, 
played uh, played big in the number of injuries that we had uh, starting the season, and we had a change of management. And uh, when there's a change of management, um, you know, it's never good news uh, for for a coach. So, uh, you know, I was part of that, and uh, but you know, gained a lot of experience and uh, looking forward to uh, to my next challenge. Yeah, I was gonna, I'm going to get to the next challenge momentarily, but one last question on your NHL experience to this point. It, it's hard to ask this question because you never apologize for going to a Stanley Cup Finals, especially for an organization that hasn't been in so long. But did you have too much success too fast in Montreal and kind of create a false sense of expectations for last season? Well, expectations are you know, usually always high in Montreal. Uh, making it to the Stanley Cup final, where you know we wanted to win that cup. We were two, three wins away. Uh, obviously, we don't want to take anything back from that. Um, I think you know, like I said, we we had many guys leaving, uh, Weber uh, retiring or or you know being injured, not being able to play. Uh, you know, a lot of leadership uh, was gone when we started the season. Uh, Corey Perry going to Tampa. You know, Dano going to LA, Carey Price uh, injured. So, um, you know, it was a, just a, a tough situation. Uh, when you talk about uh, uh, leadership in the NHL, it's, a, it's huge. It's a really important when you look at the successful teams. I think when you look at Boston, there's a reason why, you know, the, the, uh, the year in, year out uh, are part of the playoffs and, and uh, taking a run is. You know, it started with the Shara, and then he brought in Bergeron, and Bergeron is bringing in Marshawn, and now they're bringing in Pasternak. So, you know, it's important to have those kind of guys. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, last year for us, uh, losing that uh, leadership uh, uh, in the off season was a, a big part of that. What did you learn about coaching? What did you learn about yourself with the apps? Well, I mean, uh, you know, you learn every year as a coach. Uh, if you don't challenge yourself, uh, even when we go to the Stanley Cup final, you always look back and look at, uh, at things that went well and things that uh, you maybe you want to tweak and do different. And, and same thing applies when maybe things don't go that that well. I mean, you, that's a, that's an exercise that you do at the end of every year. Uh, trying to uh, uh, analyze and see and always uh, uh, find ways to get better. I mean, you cannot be uh, going to Walmart and buying experience, right? You got to go through those things. And uh, I think all that uh, situation here is uh, just going to be making me a, a better coach. So what is next for you? Again, you've NHL, juniors, college, international, hockey Canada. You have had a lot of experiences. Where do you want to go next? What's on the horizon? Well, I mean, I, I don't have like one thing uh, just set saying this is what I want to do. Obviously, at one point, I want to go back being a head coach in the NHL. Uh, my next challenge, I just want to be in a spot where uh, people believe in me, uh, in a situation where uh, I can keep growing as a coach and also, you know, um, contribute to uh, team success. So I'm just waiting for the right time, the right moment, the right situation. And uh, I got two years left on my contract, so I can afford to be a little bit 
patient and uh, you know picking the right time and the right place to go. Former UVM hockey star Dom Ducharme, former NHL head coach with the Montreal Canadiens, went to the Stanley Cup Finals in the 2021 year. An unbelievable run he had with the Habs. He's going to be back in Vermont this weekend. Coming up Saturday, the Vermont Hockey Summit. If you are a youth coach, it is free to sign up, free to come. Here, Dom Ducharme and a slew of other great speakers there as well. I will be uh, there moderating some of the panel discussions. Don't come see me. Come see Dom. And uh, Dom, I appreciate the time today. Look forward to meeting you this weekend. All right. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I will be there. Uh, 2.15 to 3 o'clock. I'll be moderating some of the player discussions. So I look forward to being there. But, yeah, look, if you are somebody who is is a youth hockey coach or is just a hockey coach who wants to get better, I mean, Cam Ellsworth, the Norwich coach, is going to be there. Todd Woodcroft from UVM is going to be there. A couple of his assistants, Dom Ducharme, Amanda Pelkey, um, the head coach of the Boston Riveteers in the uh, uh, Professional Women's Hockey League is going to be there. And uh, there are some others in there, too. So it's a free event. You can learn more at uvmathletics.com. A couple of people texting in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line saying, I love Dom's line. You can't go to Walmart to buy experience. So, yeah. That, I mean, that, that is a classic. You know, I have, I have had some coaches who had, like, great one-liners. Like, they had just, like, great lines. That was their thing. I had one coach, you know, who would say, the only man who walks is the mailman. Like, I, like there are things that are, people have said to me that are burned into my brain. That's going to be one of them. You can't go to Walmart to buy experience. So, uh, Dom Ducharme was awesome. And I, he said the right thing. But I disagree with him. I absolutely believe he had too much success too fast in in Montreal. I mean, think about the Red Sox, right? We've talked about this. Last year's American League Championship Series appearance, we said, like, was that not good for the Red Sox? Well, of course it was good, but it inflated this sense of expectations. It inflated this idea of how good the Red Sox were. And that is why this year has seemed like such a letdown. The Montreal Canadiens hadn't been good for a particular, you know, hadn't been good for a good stretch of time. And then boom, Ducharme takes over for Claude Julien, goes to the Stanley Cup finals and everyone's thinking, oh, how can they get back? Well, I mean, and then last year, obviously they were, they were, they were not very good, but the year they got to the finals, and I'm not taking anything away from what Dom Ducharme accomplished. You, you didn't play U.S. teams. You played only Canadian teams. You had a bunch of ga- you know, more games against Ottawa and things like that. So, you know, when you reassimilate to the traditional NHL last year, it was always going to be harder. So I think there was a false sense of... Uh, a false sense of expectations there around the Habs. And there you go. There's talking hockey. By the way, Talking hockey in September. I deserve bonus points there. So I'll see you on Saturday out at the Vermont Hockey Coaches Summit. That is uh, beginning at about 8 a.m. It goes until a little after 5. Again, you can learn more at uh, uvmathletics.com. I mentioned the Red Sox. We'll go there next. Kike Hernandez is one-year extension is absolutely fascinating. I'll tell you all of the things it may mean. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio. 
Jazz.com. Jazz with George Thomas is coming up next, but a couple things I want to finish on here regarding the Red Sox. The Red Sox signed Kike Hernandez to a one-year $10 million extension uh, earlier this week. So Kike is going to be back in the fold for 2023. And this is a really fascinating thing because there's a lot of different things that this can mean, right? So let's just play it out. One, if this is Kike Hernandez being signed to be a fourth outfielder or having a super utility role, I absolutely love it. I think Kike is a good player, and I like the versatility that he provides. If he is my fourth outfielder but can also fill in at second, can also fill in at short, if he could be the DH when Martinez is gone, like if, if Kike Hernandez can be in the lineup a lot but not tethered to one position, I love it. Kike is a good player, has some power, athleticism, versatility, leadership. If that's the role, I'm all in. Let's play out the other scenarios. If Kike Hernandez is the starting center fielder for the Boston Red Sox next year, you have not addressed one of the biggest deficiencies on your roster, and that is power. This Red Sox team has no power, and they're going to lose J.D. Martinez in the offseason. And they might lose Xander Bogarts in the offseason. So the power sap could get even worse. If Kike Hernandez and Alex Verdugo are two of your three starting outfielders next year, you have done nothing to make that better. So be aware of that. The contract is good, right? Like it's a steal money-wise probably for, for you to get Kike back at that. But if it impact, if you plug him in every day in center field with Alex Verdugo, in one of the corner spots, where is your other? Where is your power coming from? Because this Red Sox team needs a lot of power, and that's doing nothing to address it. Think about that as well. Number three, I, I a couple of days ago made the case for if Xander Bogarts leaves, Christian Arroyo could play second and Trevor Story could play short. The same scenario could happen here with Kike Hernandez. So you all love Kike coming back. But what if the plan is to let Bogarts walk? Stories at short, Kike's at second. Do you love it then? So there's a lot of different things that this contract can mean. Fourth outfielder, super utility guy, all in. For the record, Tom Karen of Nesson told me yesterday he doesn't see that happening. But if that were the case, I'm all in. If Kike is my starting center fielder, real questions about where the power comes from. If Kike is my second baseman and that means Xander Bogarts is gone, real questions about how that was handled too. You have a lot of – I could stomach Bogarts leaving if a bunch of other great stuff was done. Like if Bogarts leaves and you go get Aaron Judge and Michael Conforto and you go sign Carlos Rodon and Justin Verlander, I can live with that. But – if Xander Bogarts leaves and Kike Hernandez is your second baseman, you have even more questions and even more things that need to be upgraded because Kike in the infield for Bogarts is not a good trade. And then I spoke to Buster Olney of ESPN earlier today, and he made a great point too, something I hadn't thought of. Knowing the relationship between Kike and Alex, first off, I don't think that Kike would have signed with the Red Sox initially if Alex wasn't the manager and so the fact that uh, Kike, whatever has been said to him, he feels comfortable taking a one-year deal means to me that Alex Cora 
definitely comes back next year. I don't think he would unless he got an assurances to that end. And that's a very fair point as well by Buster. Kike Hernandez and Alex Cora are very, very close. Alex Cora loves Kike Hernandez. Tom Karen reiterated that to me yesterday. Buster only said, I don't think that Kike ever would have gone there in the first place if Alex wasn't there. We know about the Puerto Rico connection that the two share. Kike Hernandez being willing to come back probably does, I believe, pretty squarely um, reiterate that Cora is coming back. I always thought Cora was coming back. I always thought Cora should come back. But Kike being willing to re-sign now rather than hit free agency or wait till the end of the season probably does tell you that that is the case. There's a lot of things that this deal can mean. Tech says, uh, I think the deal means that Cora, or, or I think the deal means that Bogarts is out, story to second Kike, or story to short Kike at second. Um, someone else says, I think Xander Bogarts is a Dodger in 2023. That's something that Buster Olney told us as well. So a lot of people are jumping for joy about the Kike deal. Be careful with that because you just don't know exactly what it means. If, if that deal means Xander Bogarts is gone, you're looking at it differently. If that deal means you haven't addressed your power in the outfield, you might be looking at it differently. I like Kike. Good player. Winning player. I'd want him on my team. But I got to see how it impacts the rest of the roster. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEV Radio. That's going to do it for us here on this Thursday. There's a lot of stuff on our podcast channel. Tom Karen interview from yesterday. Freddie Coleman interview from yesterday. Buster Olney from today. Dom Ducharme from today. Richmond Webb from today. So the full show podcast will be up momentarily. We also, again, get uh, all five of those interviews up on our podcast channel. Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Red Sox off. Jazz with George Thomas is next. Enjoy week one of the NFL, which kicks off tonight between the Bills and the Rams out in L.A. Tomorrow, Patriots insider Phil Perry is back with us. He'll be with us every Friday at 545. We'll get you ready even further for Pats and Dolphins. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, here on WDEV.